Hi everyone and you're very welcome back to our latest episode of Stronger with Sport. Delighted to say joining me today is, well he's probably is a League of Ireland legend at this stage, certainly a Dundalk legend, a former teammate and still a friend of mine, Mr Gary Rogers. Gary, how are you? Very good, thanks very much Alan. Yeah, good to see you. Good to be here. Yeah, we. I mentioned the word legend in the intro there, so that obviously means you're retired now, as we finished, all finished. Yeah, yeah, a finished, washed-up footballer. Um, but you're looking very well. How's retirement treating you? No, I'm enjoying it. I think. Um, look, I think it was the right time for me at 39 or mm. 40 now. But uh, it just, it just felt right. Everything about it, um, just the timing of it off the back of the cup final win and the Europa League game against Arsenal. I just, um, I probably, I won't say I've had enough, but I've definitely. I, I, Really happy with the decision I made. Obviously, it's a tough decision to make, but I just think you know, as time's gone on, I haven't missed it and I haven't wanted to play or anything like that. And I've been to lots of games, so I'm really happy with the, the way it's gone. I, it's often uh, it's fascinating for me the psychology of that. I was different. I retired quite young, and it was for personal reasons in terms of where we were at, I suppose, in life. Um, so it was different for me. But just I look at people in all sports who do retire and the different reasonings that they give. But just from your point of view, was it important that you felt there you won the cup at Dundalk and the Arsenal thing that it was I'm going out at the top here? Because I often find with when you when you listen to different people, they tend to overstay their welcome sometimes. They don't know when to get out. Some do, some some don't, as I say. Uh, was that kind of playing in your mind or was that something you always felt I'm getting out at the top? Yeah, well look, it certainly factored into it. So some people probably thought I should have retired long before that, but it was just nice to kind of be able to go out on a win, uh, like I think I would have found it far more difficult to go out if we hadn't won the cup. Okay. Um, because look, we've had a really successful period at Dundalk, and you know I would have uh, look if we didn't win that cup that year, it would have been a huge failure that year in general because the league just wasn't there. Mm. Um, you know the form was up and down in terms of what we were doing in the league. Obviously, we got Europa League stuff, which was brilliant, but you know people might say it was fortunate, but it was still. You know, it's difficult to achieve and we achieved that and we played obviously good teams. We probably should have done better in the group stages, I felt overall. Um, but yeah, look, it, I think winning the cup cemented it for me um, 100%. Like it, it was something that I spoke about to people close to me and my wife and even she was surprised. Um, was she? Yeah. yeah, she was because it was only, I spoke to her, we were chatting about it recently and she kind of didn't know for sure. Like we, I, when I came home in the cup final, I didn't go back to Dundalk and went home. And I said, oh, I'm going to retire. I said, I'm, that's it now, I'm finished. Like, and uh, she was like, okay, yeah, okay, whatever, whatever you're happy with. And then I text her, I text her. She still wasn't convinced yeah, that no, night. She was, like, and she understood the reasons, but I, um, going into the Arsenal game on the bus, I text her on the way into the bus, I said, this is my last game. So she, she, that was the first time she said, I knew okay. for real, do you know? So if that's the case at that stage, so late in the day with the cup final and then the Arsenal game after, at what point during last year or during that season, are you thinking about retirement? Um, halfway through, and actually, to be honest with you, if I'm being real honest, probably around COVID, because I was kind of looking at uh, the Alpha Nucan record and stuff like that as part of my, I suppose you have goals when you're playing to try and achieve things, and, and that was kind of something that I focused on in order to kind of you know keep playing and, and trying to play well. And in order to, to do that, you'd have to be playing well because you're at Dundalk and it's the top team. So if you don't play well, you won't play. So. Um, when I knew that I wouldn't be able, to, off the back of a half season, you know, you wouldn't be able to get that. And then Filippo, his 12 games, I think he only played me in five of the league games because he chopped and changed it. And I knew then the following season he was in charge and there was a good chance that he was going to chop. But he, he had told me, listen, you won't play every game and that's not the way I wanted to operate. And um, so all that sort of stuff kind of filtered in okay. uh, to decisions, you know. 
Yeah, it's funny though that it still took you right up until almost waiting for the cup final and then the Arsenal thing and that text that you send your wife then, this is it. Yeah, well look, that, like, it was, like, I had spoke to you, I even met Stephen Kenny and had a chat, you know, two or three months before that and it was in my thinking and I kind of floated it with a few few lads in the team, like, I even remember being over in Mould and I said to, to Massey, I think, he could have been Aaron, Aaron McCary and Garth and Noel, the kit man. He could have been having a game of drafts or something like that. Something real exciting, you know. Sounds exciting. And yeah, yeah, it was. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Playing drafts. Edge, ed, edge of the seat stuff. You want to see how are you European waitress? Yeah. <laughs> a big we difference. You weren't playing drafts in Malta. <laughs> <laughs> they were the glory days. Oh, that was a di- different, different times. Malta, but, uh, yeah. She weren't laid out in the hotel. But, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, but like I kind of floated it that you know, I said, oh, this would probably be the last. Cause I think it was the last away trip. I said, probably be my last away trip and they were oh yeah good run all the rest and but I was kind of I was teasing it out and just kind of seeing how I was with it as well you know so it was uh, yeah no I, I feel it was it was right okay so you mentioned Alpha Nukin's record there and you didn't quite get that one but 583 games is that right yeah and it's funny because I couldn't tell you you probably know oh, well that's what I'm going at the on. time I would have known yeah uh, when I was playing but now like they kind of seem like you don't really matter like because like it, it's what you did in the past, and it, well, I, I forget about it. like I, I genuinely wouldn't have known. I knew it was high, um, but it, I wouldn't have known the actual. Well, to me, that's fin- I know you're a goalkeeper, but that's phenomenal. Five hundred and eighty-three. It just goes to show the longevity you've had in your career. Probably lucky enough with injury, maybe to accumulate that game amount of the games. Yeah, probably well. ignorant enough to play with injuries. Well, because yeah, well, and the likes <laughs> of that, well. that might be the Gaelic in you, but yeah. we'll get to that too. But to accumulate that amount of games is a hell of an achievement, Gar. You've been so successful in terms of league titles, cups, all that. So uh, you should be very proud of all that. But to get to 583, there has to be a day one, and obviously that started back with. It was surprising for me because you were in with Shelburne, but then it was only really the loan spell with St. Francis, was it? That was yeah. your first league game. First league game, and that was in itself a kind of a, a strange situation because St. Francis, John, yeah, John Noonan was the manager of St. Francis, and he signed me in Finglas. I was in college in the car park, uh, I think Cardiff Bridge Inn or something like that, in around Finglas, and uh, he signed me and I played. He said, listen, you're going to play. He did, basically didn't have anyone. It was okay. a case of he was rounding up players because ha- a lot of the team went. And they were in the first division. They were in the first division. And Jimmy Hart was the manager and he moved to Airinta, it was the team at the time, and brought a load of the players with him. So John had probably maybe half a dozen players left and he had to go around and sign players from, you know, on loan from Bowes and Shells. And Mick Neville rang me in college and he said, um, St. Francis manager, John Noonan wants to have a chat with you. Um, he wants you to play in the first division and mix it. And I said, okay, perfect. I said, I'll go. And he said, do you want to have a think about it? I said, no, am I going to play? He said, I said, he said, yeah. He said, well, I'm going because I wanted to play. Because yeah. you just want to see where you're at. Like, mm-hmm. How old were you at that stage? Only I was 18, 18, I think, yeah. And I would have kind of, I would have been very raw. Like I never, I played, I was more predominantly Gaelic and I played, always played soccer and goals and I played the Gaelic outfield. And I wanted to find out where I was. So it was, it was an opportunity to kind of go into the worst team in the first division and get a run of 20 games. And plenty just of action then. Plenty of action. Like it was, it, I'd say it was 10 <laughs> or 15 games before I kept a clean sheet. Like, <laughs> you know, and I still remember it because it was a 3-0 win against Cove in, yeah. in Baldonna, like a brilliant pitch. Like, um, but we were getting hidings and But like I was enjoying it. Yeah. And uh, like I lear- would have learned a lot even from John. Like I mean, he dropped me for a game and he said, you need to be, you know, he told me, he said, look, he said, everything, the shots stop and all that. Said, but you need to be more of a presence and you need to be louder and all the rest. And he dropped me and um, I think I played a game, a friendly game, and I 
put into place what he had said and he put me straight back in. Okay. So like it was a case of he said you, you, took, it on board. you took it on board, you did it and you're back in and I played the rest of the season and moved to the Rotterdam at the end of the season. How difficult was it then, Gar? You mentioned that as a young lad you were predominantly Gaelic and then when like at what period did it come that you wanted to play soccer and I suppose the difference between the dynamic of being a Gaelic player and then obviously going in and being a goalkeeper in soccer. Yeah. It, How it, big was the change for you? Oh, look, I suppose it, it was it was massive because it was a real eye-opener for me because I was going into the dressing room and you had like the likes of Stephen and Declan Gagan and Pat Fennan, Paul Doolan, Tony McCarthy. Legendary uh, figures. Yeah, Pat Scully, all these guys, like, you know, real top players, Dave Campbell as well, uh, James E. Keddy was there, Owen Heary. Like, these are, you know household names in terms of League of Ireland football and that was the first dressing room I was in so it was kind of although I was at St Francis I trained with Shelburne every week because I knew that look we had Fred Davis who was the goalkeeping coach there Steve Williams was there and I felt it was important to uh, to still train in a full-time environment or near enough it so mm. um, like it, it was big difference from coming from a Gaelic Gaelic uh, club and I was with the Mead senior team as well at the time and like what really happened was I got suspended from playing Gaelic um, for giving the referee some friendly advice. Still had friendly advice. Yellow last week, <laughs> um, but he uh, he said. But then you got you didn't get a game. You got a month or you got yeah. three months. So I got three months. So I got dropped off the the Mead panel and I kind of focused on me soccer and I got um, I was at Trotter there at the time. I got in the Irish Twenty Ones and I kind of got a taste for it then and I was just kind of hungry to do well. Lads, you know. So do you think if that Gaelic suspension didn't happen? You might not have had the career, which it was was Gaelic very much on your mind then if you were involved with the Mead panel and all? Yeah, it would have been. And my family are all kind of Gaelic orientated and where I'm from is is a massive Gaelic area. And to look Mead in general, it, that's what it's all about. Mm. So it, it, like, it, it certainly pushed me in that direction. Um, like, uh, and I kind of went back to it again in 2005 or six with my club. And I was, uh, Colin Coyle brought me into the Mead team as well. So it was, I probably hovered around it for a number of years and it was in the Mead juniors and stuff. Um, but like I was still kind of playing professional football at Drotted and um, like I bounced around a little bit and probably, you know, probably should have really focused more on my on my football career, you know, and, and looked at that. I suppose more se- like not. I always took it really serious, mm. but just to kind of have that more focus on it because I think I became far more focused. I suppose towards the tail end of my career because I wanted to um, to get as much as I could out of my career. <coughs> so is there ever? Obviously, you've achieved so much in terms of the soccer, and, and of course, it was a wise move to concentrate on that, looking back now. But is there ever any nights or you're with your mates and mate or the lads that you used to play with and think, I could have achieved a lot maybe with the Gaelic as well? Yeah, I don't know. Like, There's no regrets? Yeah, no, it's not really any regrets. I think it, probably the only regret I would have had is when I, when I was younger, probably not to kind of go up to St. Kevin's or go to um, a top school bike club, because I think, it, you know, back then, Guys were going away to the UK, and I think if we were to go to the UK, like I got really good breaks to have the career I did in League of Ireland, and I just didn't get the breaks to go away. There was opportunities to go to, to Stockport, and I kind of got priced out of a move by the club at the time. Who was that club? Uh, when I was at Drogheda, okay. I, went to, I went to Stockport for a week and trained and played, and everything went well, and they were happy. And then they, they, when it came to negotiating the fee, they dropped to look too much for me, and uh, it never materialised. Carlton Palmer was the manager, and he, oh, I know came all about in, him. he came into the league then that long. I played with him, Sheffield Wednesday, yeah. absolute madman, yeah. yeah. But uh, just you mentioned Drogheda there, so that brings us on nicely to the move. So after the St Francis thing, which you mentioned there, was obviously very successful for you, getting getting you a taste of men's football as such, and being out in the league, the league environment. So you signed down with Drogheda with Harry McHugh. 
I had a little spell of a couple of weeks during that time with Harry. He never signed me. <laughs> I still say to him. I still say to him to this day. And I went on and ran a muck after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually remember you did, in fairness. Yeah, but, uh, but I do remember that uh, time and that environment with the lads that were there and Gary Cronin, I, I would have known well, and Myler and great lads. Um, but I suppose for you at the time, that was a big move because that was the first you were going from. I know St. Francis, you were saying we're bottom of the table, but draw that. Were challenging for things and stuff in the first. Yeah, like Drottle were. It was strange because Drottle would have played against Drottle in the first division that year and Dundalk, and I had a couple of options with Dundalk, Ollie Ralph was the assistant there, and Monaghan. And I spoke to Alan Matches, who was because they could you were kind of afraid to speak to Dermot nearly. I said because you knew knew like I knew Dermot was never going to play me, so I spoke to Alan and I told him, listen, Drottle want to sign me, and he said, oh, look, just be careful or whatever, and make sure it's the right move and all that sort of crack. So I went. Um, the most important thing, obviously, off the back of playing was to go and play and Harry was signing me and he put together kind of a team that year. They were finished second from bottom in the first division but he was putting together a team. I think they'd taken kind of a year out financially I think when they got relegated and now they were putting together a team to go and to go and challenge and they signed, like say Fabio would have signed, mm. uh, Daniel Connor, uh, Owen Mullen, Brian Kelly, uh, Andy Moyle, Gary Cronin was there. Yeah. But really good, it was a really good group mm. and um, like it was very enjoyed Derek Delaney, there was some great characters yeah. and we like it was basically a throwback to the old days. Like you get on the bus. Now I didn't drink, I didn't drink for years, um, but you get on the bus and the away trips and like Lockie the kit man is not with not with us anymore, but Lockie was great, great character and he had cans on the bus for the lads and it was a pound at the time for a can. <laughs> well he was actually charging for no, the well cans. like he'd buy them all and yeah. the boys would throw the money in the kitty for yeah. him. So he'd have the cans, the boys would be Half well, fully cut getting off the bus. <laughs> You'd be picking up your chipper on the way home and stuff like that. But and then the following year, because we, we, we got up and, and won the first division, the following year there was none of that. Okay. It was all out the window with popcorn and apples and crack like that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. it was just the good times were over. The good times were over, but it was a great group. And I know that that group are all really close mm. and still, like you see, they still meet up, yeah, don't still they? Still meet up, yeah. And stuff. yeah, they did. Now I haven't been invited because I've been playing for the last years, but yeah. the, the word in the street is I might get an invite this year. Ah, that's brilliant, yeah. I love that about obviously old teammates and groups because. Like you, you had a few clubs, I had plenty of clubs, and you don't always get that kind of bond with certain dressing rooms. And there was two in particular, UCD, I remember where I started, and we still we were still kind of very close to lads, and I always felt that connection with them. Shelburne, the same. But the Drada thing, they're still very much connected, aren't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, them, them boys, they're all in a WhatsApp group together, and they're looking forward to the, their team at Christmas every year and look it was a great group it was a really like that was a brilliant year like to come in and, and just like Harry did a great job he put he plucked 10 12 new players put them together and won the first division and it was a competitive first division like when we had to beat Sligo Rovers in the last game of the season to go up and Dublin City were strong that time and um, like Sligo would have been you know fourth or fifth so we went there to the showgrounds and beat them 1-0 I think it was Sean uh, Sean Gallagher scored the goal yeah. Guy Finn Harps guy, um, and uh, yeah, like, and even that, even the pressure of that would have stood to me, kind of to go into a, a, a title side, or although it wasn't against Sligo, but they still, you know, they didn't hand it to us, um, and to go there and keep a clean sheet in in a title side game, it was great for your confidence going into the Premier Division the following year. Around that time, Dengar, because there's an interesting dynamic happening then in terms of the league, because. There's more full-time clubs being being assembled as such, um, and I remember that mid kind of two thousand four, five, six, seven those years. There was Shelburne, Cork, Drogheda, and you were there at the time when you just won the first division. Then you're in the Premier, and it's almost as if we want to push on with the rest of the teams. So unfortunately, Harry is moved on, and Paul Doolan comes in, 
and even though he he's very much professional Dulo and wants to make it really professional the high standards bigger budget bringing in maybe a better caliber of player but you were are initially there in formed in a part of a group with only five or six e full time yeah so, so how was the change over then or how did that happen yeah that there was kind of i say mark dempsey and fabio um we have Stuart taylor and a couple of guys there was a couple of guys from new zealand shea bunce and I, I, I can't remember jonesy's first name but there was kind of a group of us that were full-time um, and then Paul comes in and it was kind of that mixture that you, we would have lost the likes of uh, Danny O'Connor and Andy Moyle because they had jobs and stuff like that and they went to Longford and played part-time but Paul really wanted to push it on and I know Gavin Whelan would have signed and these yeah. guys and uh, Mark Rooney and different like because I was on the verge of signing that time as well yeah, he hasn't forgiven you no no I don't think he ever will but um, and, and that's what I'm saying so I remember it really well that time and of course, I went to Shells, and there was there was the full time. As I say, Derry were obviously very strong full time at that stage. Cork, so it was a great time for the league. But just I suppose for you, how did you find the whole changeover coming from what you had been young kid at Shells, the St Francis experience, the first division with Harry winning it. But here's Dula wanting to bring it on to a different level altogether. Yeah, well, I, I probably like I would have enjoyed Dula when I was at Shells with him because he was, you know, he was there, and I always, like, I always enjoyed him. I thought he was great. He's right? the be best manager I ever had. Yeah, well, he was great. Right? He wouldn't be my best manager. He didn't play me after a year or two, but um, he, um, but he was like I was, I was expecting the kind of same relationship that I would have had. Not that we were best mates. Like I was only a kid. When it, like, and that was kind of probably a bit of a shock to me okay, in terms surprising. of the change, yeah, because it was like I remember I was at I was at training early, it'd always be early, and Dula was there early as well, and said hello and congratulate, and it was like, okay, fella, see you there, <laughs> see you in the training pitch, but you know the way he is, like, yeah, yeah. And, and he just he just come, and I go, oh, that's a bit of a strange. I thought he'd be a little bit more chatty, like <laughs> a little bit more chatty, but Paul is like he's very focused and he's driven and his um, his standards are very high and there's no denying that, and uh, but like he he certainly pushed things on, like he would have, I suppose. In my, from my point of view, he would have looked to like, you know, he brought in Tony O'Dowd and to challenge me or whatever, and I played that year. Then he brought in Dan Connor, and in 2005 when we won the cup, I would have had opportunities to leave the club. But I just felt that, you know, there was, I, t I kind of felt that we'd win the cup that year. I just felt there was a, there was a good enough team there to, to kind of, you know, that we would probably and I didn't want to kind of leave. I didn't even speak to Paul. I got offered a couple of clubs were interested because I wasn't playing okay. at Trotter at, at in my last season and uh, I just felt there was an opportunity to win the cup and like Dan might pick up an injury and I played the last game before the cup final and stuff like that but look it, it just was an opportunity I didn't want to miss out on winning the cup either because I'd been there for five years as well so um, yeah look Paul Paul in fairness they went on like he went through a lot of players and um, he'll tell you that himself and he, like he demanded a lot of them um, but like he, the, his standards were, were excellent and look, I obviously would have taken on board that sort of stuff as well and like it, it would have had an influence on me going forward oh. too, you know, but I would have always kind of, I suppose, considered myself a really like a hard worker and I would have trained hard and all the rest, but sometimes I think when it comes to training, me training, although I trained hard and I could run and I could do the, the running with all the lads, I think I became a little bit cleverer towards the end of my career, I was kind of training more specifically for my position in order to be better at my job as opposed to winning the bleep test, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But that comes with experience I yeah. suppose as well. But just on that, so so when you did leave Drada, you had you had the four or five years, which was obviously, so you won the first division, won the cup in the end, there was no fallout or anything, you just were ready to move on because you weren't playing more or less. Yeah, no, I, look, in fairness, I had a couple of offers to clubs and I spoke to Paul and like, you know, you speak to Paul and I was kind of wasn't expecting him to offer me a contract, but he offered me a new two-year deal. Okay, so I was shocked there yeah, because like, what happened in that season in 2005, Dan got injured and I came in and played four games and kept four clean sheets. 
and Paul dropped me as soon as Dan was fit. Okay. So was I that right, tough to take. Yeah, I wasn't happy at all. Um, to be honest, because I think you know you you're given an opportunity and you'd, I felt you I take. took it. Yeah. Um, and I just felt that I'd never play under Paul because of that. Okay. And that was kind of key to why. I suppose I, I was going to go at the end of the season regardless because okay he rated me but he didn't rate me as number one it's just a, it's just a matter of opinions it wasn't like as if like myself and Dan are still great mates and we get on and we worked out well together and we worked hard but it, like I played the pats ahead of Dan and he played the draw ahead of me so it's only a matter of an opinion it's yeah. not like there wasn't massive kind of goals in, in ability and I think goalkeeping is like that anyway yeah what interested me then Gar because obviously you have a taste of it now you're seeing what the full time thing is it was a great time around the league then as I said it was four, five, six competitive clubs league uh, full time clubs it, w- it was almost I felt at that time the league was about to take off for the first time and you had a bit of a lull then though it went Dublin City Bray I'm looking at a couple of the clubs and just like you looking back now on that was there any specific reason or what's your take as to why it maybe just kind of there yeah. was the bit of a lull. Well, I went to Dublin City. Like I was on my way up to, to Derry to sign for Stephen Kenny. Um, and what was happening there was David Ford was leaving. He was supposed to be going to Stoke or Cardiff at the time. And Stephen, we had done a deal to go. I would go to Derry. The next thing... Was this your first contact now with Stephen Kenny, say, when, when you think of all the success he had after? Yeah, yeah. This was your first this contact? This was like I would have met him before this. I was on my way up in the car and I met him. And we had a chat and he wanted to sign me. And he, Look, Stephen's great, and he like he 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 just thought there was great potential, and um, now he was giving me the opportunity for Philip. But then forty, he said forty is going, but then he right. I was driving up the morning to sign the deal because I was going to Australia the next day for a month, and uh, I rang him, and this and he's and he you know, sorry he rang me and he said, listen, forty is uh, is signing back, but we still want to sign you, and we'll honour the deal. And I kind of said no. I said I want to play football. Mm. And like, oh God, he'd be f- he said I can't. Gar- he was guaranteeing me first team football, and then he couldn't guarantee it to me. Okay. And I wasn't going to Derry to sit on the bench, so I rang Derry McKeely. I said, Derry, is that deal still on the table? And I turned my car and went up the road an hour later and signed for Dublin City for yeah. Dermot. So, um, but isn't it mad how Gar even because uh, I have like that the personal experiences, the way the deals and negotiations, as the things that were done back then. Like uh, I had my own experience at Dermot McKeely, a brilliant story where. Um, we went out to Kylie's, it was at the time, up near the airport yeah. uh, to meet him. Dublin City was he well. You used to meet there a yeah. lot. <laughs> <laughs> what will you have? So I'm like, it was early in the evening, like, what will you have? Uh, just a, a seven up or whatever, Dermot. What do you mean a seven up? It's like seven up, like, you know, it's a Tuesday evening or whatever. Guinness, right? <laughs> Six Guinnesses later. <laughs> I'm like, I'm here to sign. I'm not here to drink Guinness. So chatting away and whatever. And he was brilliant, Dermot. Such a brilliant character. I, so, met, I met him in Spain a couple of times because he's a place not far away from my dad's places. And I used to, because I wasn't drinking, I used to drive him home. He wouldn't buy me a drink because I wasn't, I wasn't drinking. Coke, I'm not buying a Coke. <laughs> you go get your own Coke. So I had a couple of offers at the time. So I said, he goes, so he takes out the contract after two or three hours, sign. So I was like, what do you mean, sign? I only come up to have a chat with you, like to see what the story is. I need to go and speak to my family and whatever and, and maybe make a decision then. No, no, sign. What do you, you don't need to talk to anyone, just sign, right? So I said, look, I'll go off. So eventually he let me go off. I rang him the next day, right? Made a decision, I'm not, I'm not signing, right? Rang him back out of courtesy. Look, Dermot, really appreciate your time. What do you mean you're not signing, right? So I up front told him, had a conversation with him. So finished off the call. Thanks a million, Dermot. Thanks for your time. I'm really sorry. Whatever, I'm going to sign wherever else. So two hours later, 
this is history. This is history. I've never ever rang anyone back before. I've never rang a flare back. Are you signing or what? <laughs> I was like, I'm not. I told you already. No, it's such a brilliant character. Oh, he's a brilliant character. The point I'm trying to make, I suppose, Gar, is like you're going up to sign with Stephen Kenny. Next thing, you're not signing with. You're turning around. You're going down to yeah. sign with someone else. And the way the negotiations. And I know we don't, we all was in. I suppose the job you do now and I do, and we were talking about no industry in the game here and stuff. And it's because players, we were always signing just maybe nine month contracts. We, were, we had to look after ourselves. It was all just bouncing from one to the other. There was, there was very little security in it to look after ourselves on a long-term deal. So that was just the way it was. Yeah, no, I, I would have signed a 40-week contract at Dublin City and Dublin City went bust probably 20 weeks into it. Yeah. And I found myself playing Gaelic with my local club in, uh, in the quarter-final of the championship. Um, I was supposed to play bowls on the Friday night. I remember when we met the guys in Dublin City, uh, Rocky and, the, and Dermot and all the team. We were brought in on a Tuesday, and we should, on a Tuesday, a night that we wouldn't have been training, and we didn't know what was going on. It's back before social media really yeah. kind of kicked off, and you wouldn't know like beforehand. You'd know going in, but not not the. And we were just told that um, look, the club is no more. We're no game this weekend. And so there was no warning sign whatsoever. It was just no bang. because we all got paid the previous week. You know, wow. so it was. That's gone. what I mean, the space of a week. Space of a week, gone. And the debts would have been there at the time. Yeah. And there's a few good Paul Crowley and... Uh, Killian Brennan, I think, might. Was Killian there with Dublin City at the time? No, not at that time. Okay. With like, uh, David Freeman, Mark Rooney, these guys. So, like, uh, Great Stuart, lads, yeah. um, Stuart Malcolm as well. Like, there was, if that team, actually, was we were middle of the table and we were in the quarterfinal of the Cup or the second or third round of the Cup, definitely. And we were actually going quite well for a part-time team. Um, but yeah, like I was supposed to be going to Bowes on the Friday and I found myself I was at home and the, the local guard team were playing and I rang them and I said, listen, I'm around. Do you mind if I come up to the game? He, says, he said, yeah, no problem. He said, I can't guarantee you'll start. I said, yeah, that's fine. I said, like, I don't expect it. I said, you'll give me a game though, will you? Yeah. And he, he goes, yeah, no. I, was like, I, was brought on, I think it was brought on just before half time. But he gave, in fairness to Sean, he brought me on and gave me a game because... But we won, the, actually won that championship uh, yeah. that, that year with, and I went to Bray in between and Tony McGurk was the manager and uh, look, I just didn't enjoy it at Bray. They were part-time and I was still playing a little bit of Gaelic that time and I, I kind of did lose my way a little bit. I just kind of, I wasn't really enjoying Bray and Tony was the manager and then Eddie Gormley came in and um, like I was playing, was playing Ga and then like Colin Coyle brought me into the Mead Senior panel and stuff like that. So it was kind of... I was in between. I played a couple of league games that year, even with Mead. Uh, one in goals, actually, and one centre forward, because the goalkeepers were away. Both were, one was on honeymoon and one was on holidays. And Kyle goes to me, he says, will you playing goals? Uh, the weekend, he said, it'll save me calling the goalkeeper and bringing it back. I says, I'm playing goals, but I said, I'm starting centre forward next week. Okay. And he goes, yeah, that you, was were going, you were going to start centre forward anyway. So, <laughs> and he, he goes like... Why do you not play in goals in Gaelic, but yet soccer? Because um, I never... Like, goals in Gaelic, when I was a kid, was rubbish. Because you just hoofed the ball out yeah. and you stood at the goals talking to the umpire. Okay. So whereas I always. It's all just yeah, over your head. Like you're not, it's not like it is now, it's yeah. hugely important now. Yeah. You know? Well, the kick out strategy. Kick out strategy. Player, and you're an extra player coming, coming out and playing now and you're the free man and like the really top goalkeepers now are really good Gaelic footballers as well. So I just never. like I would have always played in goals in Gaelic, say when I was 12, I would have played with the 14 or 16 team in goals because yeah. I was too small and I was a decent goalkeeper, so they used to play me with the older teams. But I always played outfield. Um, just about I enjoyed I kind of did the best of both worlds because I enjoyed my Gaelic outfield and I enjoyed playing goals in soccer with the local club or whatever so that's really really why you know so then Gar it was Galway next um, and w- well they were full time at the time as well were they or w- yeah they were full time because Galway and Gaelic kind of inter- 
intertwines, if you like, because I was on the Mead panel and played them a couple of games, and then Tony Cousins rings me about two or three weeks before the start of the season. He says, look, Tony was assistant at Trotty. He says, I need a goalkeeper. Um, will you meet me? And I met him, and I was due to play against Sligo okay. in Gaelic for Mead that weekend. And I ended up going down, met Tony, and ended up going down to Galway and playing against Finn Harps and going to Spain on the Monday for a training camp. Because they were Goffey was the goalkeeping coach there and the assistant manager. And Goffey's one of the best goalies I played, yeah. played with. Goffey came back and played with Bray when he was, oh, he was brilliant. He was about 46. Yeah. He, was still, he was the best player. He was, he was only 36. I didn't realise. Like <laughs> That's all he was. I didn't realise how good he was. <coughs> it was absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, Goffey had a great year there. I, I remember. And that. even for a keeper, because he's, he's small, but he's a brilliant goalkeeper. Yeah, a great character as great well. Character. Really great character. Uh, still to this day now, he'd, he'd only ring you to give you abuse, though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, again, not a phone call. Yeah. Goffey's Te- A texter or a phone call, just abuse. But he is, he's a great lad. But that you enjoyed the goal with him. And it kind of got you back on track then, I suppose, with Galway. Because I say that the clubs were, there was, there was a real buzz like about Galway the was a full-time team, but yet we were you know, seven or eight in the league. I think we stayed up on the last game of the season. Jeff Kennett came in and took over from Tony Cousins, and we went on a run that year. He had an unbelievable run, We had Jeff, an unbelievable run. Like, I know you know Jeff as well, but Jeff kind of came in and turned it around that year, middle of the season. And uh, we went great run and stayed up. And I obviously went to Pats off the back of that. And look, Pats was a bit of a mixed bag for me. My first year was probably my worst year in football. Uh, I just didn't. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, not that. Look, I didn't play well. Like I, I, I played well and I didn't play well. And I was very inconsistent. And I just found it difficult to transition from being a team that you were busy in and play, and I would have, wouldn't have as much to do. So. It, it, and then I pick up an injury midway through the season that wouldn't, no one really, really known about after Europe because I played my best stuff in Europe. Yeah, I, I love the European yeah. stuff. I wasn't mad on the whole. Well, we struggled that year. Yeah. I, we underachieved. Yeah, and, Je- and Jeff was great with me. Um, then when Jeff left, I was sorry to see him go because he was great with me. Played in Europe. Europe went great. I remember the game in, in, in um, the RDS Stuyberg-Rest. And we had a good run. We had a great run. The Russia game, Savatov yeah, and all that. That was, br- like, that was a brilliant game too. Yeah. Like, but, it was the best um, beating we ever got. We got beat but three but I often think with Pats, because I look back on my time there fondly, but I just look at Pats and and, and, and as a club in general, they kind of always have underachieved. When you look at the dynamic in that dressing room at the time, it, it's probably similar to Dundalk in ways. You had guys who were on really big contracts mm. and you weren't getting new yeah. ones. And then you had guys that we kind of, kind of came in that year. That was the weirdest dynamic yeah. ever, wasn't it? And you had guys who were on, you know, average enough contracts yeah. for League of Ireland or yeah. whatever it is. And, and then you had that dynamic. You knew that all the high earners were gone the end of the season yeah. and they knew they were gone. Yeah. So like, that's kind of filtered into probably the league form. But yet you had quality and enough quality to go and get brilliant results in Europe. Because like, guys, there's personal pride when you're playing. You want, always want to go and do well in Europe. You want to go well, do well anyway, but just I think you know, over the season that kind of, you know, that rot kind of set in mm. in terms of our, our league performance. We just about stayed up. That's it's int- yeah, that was the thing. And it's interesting you say that for people that, that might not have known during that year at that dress. That was exactly the dynamic. You had people on really big League of Ireland money, really big League of Ireland money. Then the lads who had just signed maybe for Jeff coming in on ordinary League of Ireland money. And that mix, as you say, of fellas probably thinking... I'm gone anyway, I don't really care. And I'm not getting the money I'm getting here at a different club. Yeah. So it, w- it, w- it was, yeah, there was never that. Like we mentioned earlier, the connection with certain dressing rooms and you had a draw and maybe at Dundalk. Yeah. And, well, and I, I, I like even say... There was Pat, never that connection. Not a Pats, it was definitely fragmented. And then you go to the following year when Pete Matten came in, the dressing room was absolutely brilliant. Was 2010, it, yeah. 11 dressing room was brilliant. I was gone. Yeah, that was the difference. <laughs> but, like, but like you had the likes of Detta come in and you had a few of the guys, like Stewie was there and, and Damien Lynch from the previous one and I was there. Dan Connor obviously came in as well. But um, 
what happened was there, like the budget was at, was cut dramatically. Mm. Pete came in, um, got a really good shape about as we started off the season really well, got to the Santa Cup final, uh, got to the semi final of the FAI Cup and it was blew just it. Yeah, <laughs> blew it. Down yeah. to the ten well, I think men. We got to the semi final both years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, down to ten men and we got beaten in the replay. I got sent off in the replay. Did you, yeah? For no reason. Like it was a horrendous decision. Like I think Detzer kinda got a touch in the ball and your man fell into me. Like even even Stewie called it on the T V yeah. that time that this is a ridiculous send it off. And we like it was really disappointing obviously to because that group was good and we were there thereabouts in the league and just fell away. But we got into Europe and had good runs in Europe that time as well. So look, it was, um, I really enjoyed 10, 11, it kind of got, uh, got me going again. And I suppose off the back of a really poor season, I think 2009 was my poorest season. Um, I, was, I wasn't happy with it. And then 2010, I felt I had a point to prove, um, obviously to myself and to others. And, and I, I, I got player of the year in 2010 to, from the supporters. And it was, kind of, it was kind of vindication that you stayed here, you took a hit in terms of wages and you back yourself to do well. So yeah. that, that's that's the way you kind of, yeah. you have to do it in the League of Ireland. And from then on, it's just roses in the garden now, Gar. Oh, yeah. We're getting to the good stuff now. So obviously Sligo Rovers, and what, what really kind of amazed me as I was looking through the career and stuff, the, the, the early part, the lull in the middle, but your latter years was just nothing but roses in the garden, as I say. Brilliant times, like the Sligo Rovers thing initially first, and obviously I'm from Sligo, so a Sligo fan, I know what the, the club means to the people down there. Cook, the manager, Paul Cook, amazing times, um, winning the league then the first year and the cup and all. Sure, there was th- it was just a brilliant time to be to yeah. be at Sligo Rovers. Sligo is a terrific club, um, and and like it's a proper club in terms of you know the way we do, we say we don't have an industry here, but like there's an industry in Sligo. Yeah. Like Sligo is a football town, and they're football mad. And I was lucky enough to play there when I suppose Sligo were at the peak of their powers. Like I came in off the back of them cup final wins, um, and Cookie signed me, and then. Gone. Yeah, yeah, gone. I met yeah. him. I remember driving to Sligo for training one morning. I seen uh, the last thing I seen the cookie was him driving out the gate heading the other way off to Ak- Akron and Stanley. <laughs> and not a word of it. Like, like, you know what cookies like. And that was know. only the week before the that season. Was the week right? before the season, Barraclough came yeah. in and and they kind of held it all together. And Barraclough was brilliant that yeah. time. Like he, absolute in, gentleman. Like he wouldn't have known the players in the league. You know, he wouldn't. Have, but he came into the dressing room. Uh, Jerry Carr was obviously assistant. Dykes, he was there as well. And like the the season we had, now we were a very good side. I felt that that. That Sligo team, like having played against in the previous oh, year, was a brilliant I think team, that team yeah. was good enough Very to win yeah. the league the previous year. Okay, uh, and they didn't. And then, obviously, Cookie signed. He, he rang me to sign, and he signed Danny Norton. He signed Mark Quigley, and he signed Ross Gaynor and Lee Lynch and Ronald Bocco. And he already ke- he kept what he had, with the exception of Richie Ryan. And Richie was terrific, as yeah. we know. Um, but he, what we had there, was good enough. And then he added five or six quality players. Danny North was excellent that year as well. He'd ha- he'd, he was on fire for half season, picked up an injury, and then Quiggs took on the mantle. Then Quiggs was terrific role yeah. uh, as the as the front man. So look, it was it was brilliant. Obviously, we went to, won the cup the following year and the Santa Cup the following year, and then I moved on. And the thing about Sligo, like I know Dundalk is probably your your fondest memories and and where you had the greatest affiliation. I'm sure you're fond of the Drada days. But the Sligo thing, to me, when I hear you talking about it, it, it sticks out as you're, you, you really enjoyed it. Yeah, no, really enjoyed it because my wife, we, she moved down with me um, so we, and we had our first child, Bonnie, down there as well. So, And the people in Sligo were great. Like, I have good friends from Sligo. Like, I think you mentioned Gary McDermott here before. We, we, we came on air or whatever. And like, they're really good friends down there outside of, outside of football. So, look, it was, I really enjoyed it. I know Linda really enjoyed it as well. But uh, look, it's a, great, it's a great club. Best place in the world, Sligo. Yeah, it's lovely. lovely so, the Dundalk stuff then, Gar, when you signed with Dundalk, I suppose 
because Sligo were so good at the time and full time, why did you end up leaving them? I, I, I felt that Sligo were just on the decline. Um, we won that 2014 St. Hand Cup against Dundalk. Um, yeah, I was. In the, I just felt that we were slipping a little bit, and we were slipping. And uh, and then you kind of you kind of get the feelings around like you know the way it is in terms of. I felt that board. time because I was th th doing the media stuff at that stage, and the criticism I had at the time, the recruitment wasn't as good. And that I remember that off season after Barclough did really well, and I felt the recruitment was really lazy. They brought in a lad Spillane from Cork and a couple of lads and. And it was nowhere near the level of what, what had been there. And if you're looking to maintain, as you know, with the Dundalk stuff, you need to be at that level, but you're topping up rather than bringing in yeah, fellas the, below the, the level. The opportunity, I think, in 2014, like I would have signed and say in 2014, I signed my new deal in September. Sorry, in 2013 for 2014. So they were doing their business a little bit earlier. But when you leave it to, say, October, November, and next thing, you have guys who are from Dublin or from wherever, and other opportunities come up, they're more inclined to be pull back back home yeah. whereas if you come to them in September or early in the season and say we want to sign you you have to sign the players anyway mm. you know and you put that deal and that opportunity there first get them to sign you, you have the chance of kind of keeping what you have and I felt that we let a few players go like the likes of Jason McGuinness who was brilliant in, in the 2012 season and Quiggs they all went because they didn't sign them early enough in 2012 like when we were winning that league should have been tying them down a little bit early and I think that kind of crept in a little bit in 12, 13, and by the time 14 came, I just said to myself, you know, I go, we were, were done here in terms of, I didn't feel that we were going to be competitive, and because I'd been really competitive for the last three years and winning stuff, I kind of had that desire and hunger to win more, and, and I, Stephen had contacted me, it was Vinny actually, and contacted me early that season, and uh, like I had options to go to there and to go to Rovers and stuff like that, but I just felt that, um, you know, that, that, that Dundalk were building, um, and Did you sense that? Because that's the question. Like, I know nobody can kind of preempt what's about to happen, or you have a vision in your head about hopefully how it might happen. Did you think for one second, like one second, when you when Stephen was on to you, the te the team that he had initially, the very first squad that he had, I think they finished second, but it was a squad made up of lads where you're looking, thinking, oh, like I don't think they're going to be even close to winning the league. But did you think for one second that? Or, or, or was it because it was Stephen? Did you sense a bit of magic off him that, that obviously what he had done at Derry or from your chats or conversations with him? Yeah, I, I kind of, like looking in at Dundalk, I suppose probably 14, and uh, sorry, 13 and 14, they were kind of saying, ah, they can't maintain it. But they did, you know, and, and the kind of professionalism that they had kind of put in place with Graham Bourne, he was key to all of that, and Stephen will tell you the same, but that sort of strength and conditioning and that foundation that they had, and then the players, the Brian Nahid, the small squad, you knew what subs were and nearly what time they were at, but everyone knew their role. But the one thing with Stephen, he was able to kind of keep everybody happy, whether they were playing or they weren't playing. You wouldn't hear um, players say, oh, going on a bit. No, you'd, you'd hear lads be giving out about managers yeah. they're not playing. There was none of that crap, yeah. you know, and, and like, and I spoke to Stephen and he told me what his plans, and Stephen wasn't aiming at at uh, winning the league next year. He was looking at Europe, Europe and he was saying to me, I want you because we're going into Europe and I want to go to the next level and you'll help us get to the next level. So he was already setting my bar above. Higher than where you had Higher than where I was and higher than what I've already achieved in terms of winning league. So I was a league winner going into the league winning team. I felt kind of comfortable because if I hadn't won a league and I went in there, um, I'd have, you know, I wouldn't have felt it as part of it, but because I was, uh, I felt good going in there. He would have signed me and Ronan Finn that year. That would have went into the the, the starting eleven. Mm -hmm. um, so he ended up with Ronan Finn, Richie Terrell, either Stephen O'Donnell or Chris Shields. Phenomenal in, in yeah. the midfield, and, and like you, Daryl Horgan, 
um, Dave McMillan and Yehida John Mountney or Meany on the right and the back five basically picked itself because the whole pre-season what Stephen did with me was he played me with the back four that he was going to play for uh, every time I played in pre-season I played with the guys that were going to start the first game of the season so okay. just to kind of get so me was that continuity there continuity and that like you know I, it's only ba it's simple things but when you look at some of the stuff that's been going on over the last couple of pre-seasons it's you know it's a far cry from that yeah, it's amazing, really. And um, you mentioned there about the standards and the professionalism. Did you sense from day one that you... Because the one thing we used to always comment on when we used to discuss Dundalk and the success, and everybody used to come back with the same thing, it's player-driven, the standards that the players are setting, and it's, it's, it's a culture amongst them all. Did you sense from day one there's something different about this place or from your previous clubs? And that's not a slide on previous clubs, but just because of the success that they had, what, what was the magic? Yeah, well, and there was, and the fact that, and you're right, it is player driven, but also as well as that, like, you know, Stephen wouldn't let you away with anything, okay. you know? So like, okay, if the players didn't pull you up and you get an armor in the shoulder and Stephen says, well, your body fats are high. Okay. He says, what's going on? Are you all right? What's happening? He says, your body fats are high. You need to get that down. Like I remember yeah. him, he pulled me midway through the season and I probably had let me die a sip a little bit. Now I'm not talking like, I haven't gone ballooned or anything yeah, like that, yeah, but yeah. you're talking about, you know, one or two percent. And he is, he is on the detail okay. and he misses absolutely nothing. And sometimes even in training, you'd remember, like we'd be training and we'd be doing shooting and you could be wrecked after. You could be doing, like you do shooting for a long time in, in the sessions and you could be half an hour into shooting sessions. You might be on your own doing it and uh, you might let a soft and then Stephen would be, He'd be roaring at you that you should have saved, and I'm like, I'm not bollocks here. I'm about to be doing it, you know. But like, you so even though like he he's very hands on, then is he? Yeah, like I, not I just with the football side of things, but everything. Yeah, I know he is. He is like he, he's on top of everything. Doesn't miss anything, you know. He really is, and he's sharp. And then like he doesn't let you away, and like you don't kind of have a bite at the manager. You go, I'm gonna like my attitude would be, well, I'm going to be better. I'm gonna I'm gonna show him this sort of stuff, and and I, kind of, I suppose that that kind of drive that's look is either. Every player is different, but I would have had that kind of attitude. Well, look, I'm going to show you, or whatever, as opposed to throwing the toys out of the pram and having a rattle off them. So, so the likes of, say, Gar, the big, the big, obviously Cork were the challengers then, and he built up a brilliant rivalry, and it was great for us tuning in, and I, I loved it, and I loved the whole Dundalk thing. I, I've said it numerous times. There was such a likability about that, that squad that no matter what you were achieving or what you were doing, it was still very much business as usual. Nobody was getting above their station humble lads, good lads, that you wanted to see do well. That's what I loved about it. But, say FEI Cup games are big league games against Cork, and Stephen has this persona where we see him now when he's very much encouragement and, and accentuating the positives. Could he blow a gasket at half-time? Absolutely. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Like, Stephen could, like, and he could surprise you sometimes where... It'd be the nights he wouldn't expect yeah, to Yeah, you'd be gasket. thinking, well, he could be training up and he wouldn't be, he might blow a gasket because we should have been fighting it up, okay. you know, like it'd be, yeah, there's no, like Stephen has no problem calling players out and, and but like, as well as that, like he, you don't fall out with him, like, mm. you know, he's generally, look, he's right and if he was wrong, he'd come and say it to you, he said, oh, I got that wrong, I didn't, you know, but like he's, um, like he's, one thing, he's not afraid to make his tough decisions, um, you know, like I've been on the receiving end of them myself often, so like he, he doesn't shy away from it and uh, like, it, you know, I don't think he attaches, like he'll always do what's right for the team um, and that'll be his sole focus is what, what's best for the team. So um, he's definitely not shy in, in that regard and, and probably maybe the Shamrock Rovers experience probably you know, brought him on and gave him more strength and he trusted his own, I think he trusts himself um, and his opinions more than probably ever because 
maybe he relied on other people and, and put more weight into what other people said and, and wasn't successful at Rovers. I don't know, I'm only kind of guessing, but I know uh, like he's got serious strength in his convictions and what he believes. So, so throughout the years of the success, and it was phenomenal success, and then the, the conversation starts around Stephen and the Irish job and all. Now he's the Irish manager, as we know. He's gone through a bit of a turbulent time. But did you ever have any doubts whatsoever in terms of he's right for the job, he deserves that job, give him a go? Yeah, I, I, I fully back him on that because I just know that, you see, it's a di playing for Ireland is a different dynamic than playing for a club or club football in the UK. You know, you're dealing with guys who want to play for Ireland and, you know, who have played for Ireland at underage. And Stephen is brilliant at encouraging players and building players up and getting the best out of them. And I know the results, <laughs> I know the results, uh, this week was a great week for him but, and we've probably seen you know, what his work was leading to and I think, you know, it's been hugely positive and some of the players that had come in and done really well for him, but it's been building towards, he hasn't had much luck, um, I know you can go back to that in terms of COVID and players that were missing, but I think, you know, the signs are on it that, you know, lads are coming around and the, for like, the formation he's playing, the style of football he's playing, I think everyone is getting used to it. Like, it's difficult in international football, you're bringing guys in, mm. you have a couple of days, you might have a day in the training pitch and you're out to play a game and all that sort of uh, dynamic that there is there, but I, I do feel that, Stephen is well suited to, to international management. He's obviously learning as well as he goes. And um, look, I'm not surprised that you know. And I think he will be successful. Look, whether whether he gets another another term or not, you know, that will be seen. But I do think he probably, you know, I think they should give him another term because I, I, I think that you know the the signs are good. Although look, we we've beaten teams that we should be beaten. There's no there's no two ways about that. But the style of what we, which we did it, you know, we we struggle against. We struggled against average teams for years and, and got results as well. But the way we did it in the last week or so, and um, the style of play, you know, was hugely positive. Is he the best manager you've ever had? Um, I would say so. Yeah, like I've had really good managers. Like, and you take something from all. Like, I would have Pete Martin, Harry McHugh, like Ian Barraclough and Paul Doolan. Like, I've had great managers throughout my career. Tony Cousins, and you, and it's like I suppose it's difficult to say, oh, he's the best manager. But he, look, he's a terrific manager. There's no doubt about it. But you learn something from them all, and you think you pick up something. You know, every manager has a certain influence. It's like your schoolboy manager. Like your, I think your schoolboy managers are hugely influential in how you start your career. Like they, these guys probably go under the radar mm. in terms of how important they are to kind of, I suppose, putting you on the right track and, and giving you the right kind of standards, if you like. And, and like these guys are, and, and it's like when I go into professional football, the guys that I worked with were, were um, like you take something on board from them all, but like Stephen was excellent. I have two more questions before we finish up. You've been great with your time, Gary. Um, you've been around Dundalk with the uh, Hubens, McMillans, Towels, Horgans, Duffy's, McGraths. Who's the best? Oh, who's the best? And I'm putting you on the spot now. I think Jamie McGrath is the best. Out of all the players you've played with well, in Dundalk? Yeah, in Dundalk. Like Joseph and Doe was incredible. Uh, at Sligo and Mark Quigley and these guys but like uh, I, remember, like I spoke to somebody recently about it, but Jamie McGrath when he came on the scene again for Pats against Dundalk in 2014 or 15 would have been my first year he came on for about 15 minutes and we sat and Boiler spoke after the game and we were just quite grateful that he wasn't on for longer because he tore us apart in about 15 minutes and uh, like Patrick McElhenney is wonderful as well but I just think Jamie McGrath's got more he's got levels in him I think we're seeing how good he is now, yeah. and I think he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. He probably move in, in in January or in the summer, or whatever it may be. And I think no matter what squad you put him into, he's capable because he's technically so good. If you put him into a Premier League team, he'll do well because he's he's able to, he's able to do it. So I I just think um, like he's like he he added goals to his uh, his. Uh, 
I suppose ability last year he got 17 goals with, with um, St Mirren and, and he's been adding that to his game I think he's just getting better this, this podcast uh, Stronger with Sport is obviously wonderful sponsor Extra.ie Gar and obviously sponsoring the FEI Cup as well you've played I think is it the last six finals yeah won't be playing the next one which is phenomenal really when you think about that and you've won it four times in total yeah, three five, five, five. five. one with Drotter Drotter Sligo and, and um, sorry I was counting the yeah. three with three with Dundalk and one with Sligo I forgot about the draw. Yeah, we, we lost three of course with, with Dundalk as well and you always remember the ones you lose. Yeah, I can't well, tell you, well, you should be happy with the ones you won as well. Yeah. But but just looking back, I suppose on all the success, the FEI Cup success, the league success, the Dundalk thing in particular, all the European stuff. What's your fondest memory when you look back? I suppose on your career in general. Um, I, I think look, it's hard to it's hard to kind of say, but I, like I always enjoyed the FEI Cup and the cup finals. I love the cup because it, it's the day one day of the year that our players feel like real players. It's our showpiece. Yeah, you're going to you're going to you're going to the cup final. You're going to the V the stadium. I know last year there was no B in it, but I think this year, like whoever gets to it, I think there'll be a great crowd. Um, and that's the day of the year in terms of okay, European stuff is brilliant and there's huge highlights in that. But I think cup finals are very special. And I think for every player starting out at the start of the season, if you ask them what game they want to play in the end of the year, it's the cup final. You know. Well, the last six that you've played in, I've covered the last six, and that's my achievement, right? <laughs> and I love it. But uh, no, it is. It's absolutely brilliant, as you say. It's the showpiece day. It's the one day of the year that we get six, seven hours coverage on the television on a Sunday prime time. There's no better competition. Um, and would you say of all the successes, that's the one, yeah? Yeah, no, I enjoyed like the cup finals. Like I suppose my first one that I played in was against Sligo and uh, or first Sligo against Rotterdam, and I just felt they passed me by in terms of the experience. Um, like we won the game and obviously enjoyed that, but I just like going into say the 2015 cup final, I was kind of adamant to kind of really have a good game and enjoy it, and and I kind of took that on into say the next six finals, and I, I felt that some of my best games from Dundalk were probably the last six cup finals in a year, and I, I just felt my performances, and I just enjoyed the kind of the stage and the game, and I suppose what like obviously look, we had heartbreak and some of them where we lost. Like Shawnee McGuire's injury time yeah, winner and cup fight. we lost two on penalty. So like, you know, I, I've had difficult days there too. But they're definitely days that you know that that you want to be involved in. Garrett, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, as I say, you've had an unbelievable career, hugely successful, but still in good nick. Playing Gaelic for me, or junior <laughs> club, or whoever it is you're playing for, still doing your thing. Uh, but we wish you well in retirement, and thank you. Thanks very much.